0: chapter six of the life of kit carson by edward s ellis this librivox recording is in the public domain a half-century ago the vast region beyond the rocky mountains was comparatively unknown and unexplored its general features of course were understood but the interior was like the central portion of australia or africa Clark and Lewis made their famous expedition to Oregon during the early days of the century, and helped to turn general attention in that direction. Its growth and development since then is one of the wonders of the age. But there was one class, if the word may be used, who never hesitated to penetrate the wildest and most dangerous recesses of the far west and northwest. Those were the hunters and trappers as we have already stated the employees of the venerable and all-embracing hudson bay company ranged over british america and through oregon to which vast territory they possessed the clear legal right besides which they and the trappers of the american fur company frequently trespassed on each other's reserves and not infrequently came in bloody collision with each other far to the northward the indian drove his birch canoe across the silent athabasca and great Bear lakes on his way with his peltries to the distant factory or post of the company along the frozen shores of the lone mackenzie the only american river flowing into the arctic ocean the trapper glided on his snowshoes or with his sturdy dogs and sleigh fought his way over the snowy wastes of prince rupert's land The brigades in their boats rounded the curves of the Saskatchewan, keeping time with their paddles to their own cheery songs. Their campfires were kindled in the land of the Assiniboine, and they set their traps in the wildest recesses of the Rocky Mountains, where the whirling snowstorms almost carried them off their feet. But north of the dividing line the hunters had little, if anything, to fear from the red men though they encountered in the loneliest and most desolate distant regions they generally met and separated as friends among the perils of the trapper's life in british america was not reckoned that from the hostile natives it was far different within our own territory Those who left our frontier states and pushed westward, and those who penetrated northward and eastward from the Mexican country, knew they were invading the hunting grounds of the fiercest Indians on the American continent. We have already told enough to show the intense hostility of the Red Men. Between them and the hunters and trappers raged a war that never ceased or slackened, except when policy held it for a time in check. The little group of horsemen, who rode out from Independence or Westport, or who took steamer at St. Louis up the Missouri, often came back with several of their number missing. Up among the mountains, they had gone out to visit their traps, and had never come back to camp. The lurking Blackfoot, or Sioux or Crow, had aimed all too well, and as he bounded whooping away, he swung aloft the scalp of his victim, whose trapping days were ended forever. After recovering their horses from the band of crows, Carson and his companions returned to camp, where they remained until spring, when they cached their furs and made their way to the Laramie River on another hunting expedition. While thus employed, a couple of the men deserted, taking several of the best animals. Kit Carson and a single companion were sent in pursuit, the rascals having a good day's start. A desperate fight was sure to follow a meeting between the parties, for Carson would never forgive such treachery, and the deserters were not the ones to permit themselves to be despoiled of their booty without doing their utmost to prevent it. It was suspected that they were on their way to the place where the beaver had been cached, and disregarding the trail, therefore, Carson made all haste thither. It need not be said that he lost no time on the road but when he reached their old camp he found the deserters had preceded him. They had stolen several thousand dollars' worth of furs and departed. Carson was more anxious than ever to overtake the scoundrels. He and his companions made diligent search, but failed utterly to find them. They were never seen or heard of again, and Carson was convinced they had fallen victims to the Indians, who in turn made off with the stolen peltries it will be borne in mind that kit and his friend were several hundred miles from the main body of hunters and in one of the most dangerous countries they had ever visited so dangerous indeed did they consider an attempt to return to them that they decided not to make it but to stay in the old camp Inasmuch as it would be impossible to keep their presence from the knowledge of the indians they threw up some rude fortifications and never relaxed their vigilance When Carson wrapped his blanket around him and lay down to rest, he knew his companion was on guard and would not slumber. It was the same with his friend, their watchfulness undoubtedly preventing the attack which scarcely could have failed to be effectual. It was needful now and then that one of them should venture out to procure game, but that was so plentiful that he was never compelled to go far, and he used such extreme care that he was not even so much as fired upon. Thus the time passed, until at the end of several weeks the hunters were surprised and delighted by the arrival of more than a dozen men on their way with a complete outfit to join the main body. Carson and his friend were glad enough to go with them, and the long journey was begun. They had not gone far when they exchanged shots with hostiles, and there were almost daily skirmishes with them by sunset they had traveled a long distance and went into camp feeling certain that though indians had not shown themselves they were in the vicinity to prevent a stampede of their animals the long ropes around their necks were fastened to stakes driven deep into the earth this arrangement allowed them to graze over sufficient ground and opposed an almost insuperable obstacle to the success of the dusky thieves prowling around It was yet early in the evening, when one of the dogs belonging to the camp began barking. A score of causes might have caused this, but Carson believed the incitement in that instance was the one most dreaded. Several men were added to the guard, and the rest lay down, too uneasy to gain much slumber, however. The trappers were right in their suspicion that savages were near, but they could not have failed to note what precautions had been taken by the whites against surprise, and they withdrew without molesting them. The party were in a beaver country, and Carson and three of his men went up the stream some distance to learn whether it was worth their while to set the traps. They had not been gone long when a party of Indians, who were probably awaiting such an opportunity, charged upon the camp and drove off all the loose horses. Four of the hunters instantly saddled the swiftest of those remaining and started in hot pursuit. So hot indeed was the pursuit that they speedily came up with the marauders and opened a running fight. One of the hunters was badly wounded, while a warrior was shot from his horse pitching headlong to the earth with a screech of agony. The remaining ones were pressed so hard that they were glad enough to abandon the property which came back to the rightful owners, probably before an animal was able to comprehend what had taken place." The promptness and daring of the hunters had prevented a serious loss, and though one of their number was severely hurt, his wound was not mortal. It may be said that he suffered much, but fully recovered in time. Men with such iron constitutions and rugged frames rallied from injuries that would have swept off those accustomed to less stirring lives. Having righted matters so far as possible, The trappers picketed their horses and awaited the return of Carson and his companions. They were much disturbed by fears for their safety, as, in truth, they had good cause to be. End of chapter 6